0: Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message.
1: Good evening. Good evening. Hey, it's Mother's Day weekend. I know he said it already. We're, we're happy that you mothers are here today. And also, I just want to reiterate, the donuts are the things you eat, not the succulents. I don't know if Blake made that aware or not. I saw some people, and it made me confused. So, But we are happy you're here. Happy Mother's Day. Mom, if you're watching online, happy Mother's Day. Your card is in the mail. Um, it really is, though. I know it would be a joke to say that, but it really is. Um, well, anyway, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And I know that uh, this series, if you've been tuning in at all, has just been... Pretty, pretty good. If you, have you guys liked this sermon series where it just applied some real-world things, but using Scripture? I know I have a lot, and um, I appreciate Blake a lot. Uh, throughout this series, we've looked at just getting unstuck, making change in our life, and really just how to get out of the mess of our minds. Um, and tonight, it's no different. We're going to be looking at uh, taking on the battle against our thoughts and starting fresh daily. Because yes, we are wrapping up this series, um, but we in no way expect for you to leave this place today and be like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm good now. I've got all these tools. I'm done. I've beat. I've, I was in a mess before. Now I'm good. We expect you to, to kind of live in the mess for a little bit. On and off throughout the rest of your life, it's going to happen. We don't expect you to listen to this sermon series and be done and free and clear. Uh, and to be honest, I think that's one of the things that we see in Christian life uh, a lot recently that we, it kind of gets misrepresented, that as soon as you become a believer, as soon as you step into faith, that your problems disappear, they evaporate. Sadly, that's not always the case. Um, let me be blunt here in stating that it's just untrue. Uh, in fact, just like Blake said last week, that if you're living in the middle if you haven't made that decision, sometimes that's an easier place to live because as soon as you step into saying, you know what, Christ is who I'm going to follow. I'm going to enter into this relationship. I'm going to pursue Christ with all my strength. You become a target. You step into battle. There is more pressure on you. There's more reason for you to be targeted during those times. Um, And when I say that, I don't mean... Uh, when I say spiritual attack and you have a target, I don't mean like the movies. I don't mean like a, The Exorcist or whatever horror movies we're talking about. I'm talking about the things we have been talking about. So he'll, ta- he'll, he'll target your mind. He will try to strip away any life that you have going for you. He'll attack you with anxiety. He'll attack you with words. He'll attack you with broken relationships. He'll attack you with everything that he can Um, And try to consume you. It doesn't really matter that you're a Christian. You're now in the battle. So you have to be ready for battle daily. You have to be prepped. You have to be ready. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that really has made it into probably every Christian coloring book in existence. I remember growing up in the church and coloring this color sheet numerous times and getting really pumped about it because it's the only one that had weapons in it because it's the, it's the armor of God. So we're going to talk about that tonight um, and see what Paul is actually talking about when he's referring to the armory of God. So would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that you are a God that is on our side, that is fighting for us. And Lord, that you are a God that we can have faith in, in the midst of trial, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of consuming thoughts that you are a God that we can rely on. Lord, and I pray that tonight you you speak through your word, you speak through me, and help them to, to soon forget the stuff that is added by me, but remember the things that you put on their hearts this evening. Give us the eyes and the ears and the hearts to hear from you this evening. You're going pray. Amen. Or you can turn to Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians 6. Uh, and you can turn there or you can look at the screens in a second. But if Ephesians was written by Paul. He was in a prison in Rome when he wrote this. What makes this book just a little bit different than some of his other books is that it's not a personal letter. It's actually to the church in general. It's to the churches in Ephesus to be passed around, uh, talked about, circulated there. So all the small groups, all the church that was going on there, it was passed around there. So it really was written as an encouragement um, or like a a high calling and not not a calling out or a hey you guys are teaching this wrong or here's what you should be doing, which Paul is known for. This is more of a push in, step up, hurrah, let's go, uh rallying cry for the ancient church. And um just just think Mel Gibson blue war paint. You've got the idea. That's what Paul's doing from prison. And it actually is pretty hilarious if you go and read Ephesians, you you see like five or six times, he reminds them that he's in jail. He's like, as a prisoner, I say this. And then later on, he's like, imprisoned in Rome, I say that." It's just kind of funny. Like, we get it, Paul. You're in jail. Um, anyway, the city of Ephesus was a large port city in modern-day Turkey. It was, that, why I say that is because it was a big ex- exploding town during this time where people were coming and going all the time. It was a perfect place for the Christian faith to kind of blow up and go all over the world. And I think that is one of the reasons why Paul is specifically talking to this church and encouraging these churches because there was also a lot of pushback in that area to the Christian faith. Um, it's the, it was the gateway to Asia, and many people in the area were just not for the cause of Christ. Now, I say that just to give you a kind of a context of what he is talking about in Ephesians 6. So towards the end of the book comes this well-known call to put on the armor of God. And I'm going to read that passage. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It'll be on the screen. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication to the end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Um, I got to be honest. I I think for a very long time I knew this passage of scripture. Like I said, I grew up coloring in the swords and like being probably like drawing blood on the sword. Like oh, this is cool. Um, but I really didn't take this to heart to later on in life. I didn't really apply it to my life to later on. So I knew this passage, and I knew the outfit of this soldier, but I did nothing to really incorporate it into my daily life. Uh, and maybe that is you tonight. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you know the scripture, and you're like, okay, well, I can kind of tune out. I'm asking you not to. Maybe we're going to look at it just a little bit different this evening um, as we take a second just to look at this well-known scripture and uh, so most of these items, they're defensive. We have the belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet. All of those are kind of defensive uh, things and not offensive weapons. They're all here to protect us from different types of attacks. But I think it's interesting that he starts with the belt. So Blake has referenced this really throughout every sermon through the series, and it's truth matters. The truth matters. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Paul talks about the belt first, uh, because it's really to be quite re- literal. If you don't have truth, and if you're operating out of a place of untruth, you're going to be caught with your pants down. Yes, I incorporated a dag joke there, so. But it's ser- but I'm serious. You are going to be caught with your pants down. You're not going to have any way of defending yourself. If you're operating out of a place of, I don't know the truth. I don't actually know what God thinks of me. I don't actually know what I think about God. I don't actually know what Scripture says. If you don't have that, you will be struggling throughout this battle right off the bat. You cannot face what you have to do on a daily basis with all of the things that are said about you, all the damaging things that are said behind your back, all the things that even you say to yourself about yourself without having actual truth. So now we live in a, in, a, in a time where I think even 20 years ago, I wouldn't have had to define what truth was. But now we live in a time where it's like, what's the truth? Because we'd, I'm not referring to, quote unquote, your truth. Your, this is my truth. no. That's your opinion. It's not truth. That's your opinion. What I'm talking about is truth as in what Scripture says. The truth is what actually is. So, so what is the truth? What, is, what can we look at? And I think the first thing off the bat is God loves you. God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Right off the bat, every day. You need to remind yourself, you know, God loves me. God doesn't just say he loves me. Romans 5.8 demonstrates that. He proved his love by sending his only son to be tortured and killed for me. Not just because, he, because I'm a good person. I had nothing to do with it. He actually loved us before we loved him, while we were sinners, So he died for you. He loved you so much that he died for you on your worst day. When you struggle with even liking yourself, when you sit down, you're like, man, I really messed up. I really, whatever that day was in your life, God loved you that day enough to send his son to die for you. That's truth. God doesn't just say it. He demonstrated it. Now, the next thing. Right off the bat, to to the believer, God has a purpose for you. Second Timothy conveys that He didn't save us because of something we did. He saved us according to His purpose. He has a plan for your life. We treat church kind of like a theater sometimes, um, with with people on stage. They come out. We do what we do, uh, and then as the the crowd or the congregation, they're whatever we want to call it, we kind of check the box off for, oh, I went to church this week. I did church this week. Um, But but that's only one part of the church. That's one piece of what church is. And if you are thinking that's what church is, you're missing the boat. I promise you. Um, You are part of the body of Christ. You are unique in who you are and who God made you to be. He has a purpose for your life. There is only one you. There's only one Danielle Sewell. There's only one. I'm sure there's other people named Danielle Sewell. Just just bear with me. I get it. I get it. But there's only one Danielle Sewell. There's only one Christian baker. There's probably more Christian bakers than Danielle Sewells. But, uh, they're, but they're unique in their experiences, their past, the way that God created their personality, why is that important? Okay, okay, Cody, thank you. It's important because Christian or Danielle or, or, or Patrick back there or whoever, they, they, can, they can reach people, they can talk to people, they can share the gospel with people that I'll never be able to because of their story, because of what who they are, because of how they convey things. They'll be used in different ways than I can. So we need every person in the body of Christ. You are beneficial to the body of Christ. So that's truth too, that you can preach to yourself over and over again. God loves you. He has a purpose for my life. Why did I get cancer? I don't know, but God loves me. He has a purpose for my life. Why am I struggling with finances? I don't know, but I can trust God because he loves me and he has a purpose for my life. That's the belt of truth. Preach it to yourself daily. There's way more things that you can learn about God and who he is throughout scripture, but that's the start. The breastplate of righteousness. Um, This is the place, it covers our core. I have a larger core than most, but it covers mine too. (sighs) It protects us. If if your core is injured, man, you can't do anything. Who here has ever pulled like their ab muscle, one of their abs, yeah, or, or pinched a nerve in their back. And it's like, it affects everything in your life. It doesn't like, okay, well, I just can't move my back. You can't do much. You're like wheezing on the way to the refrigerator to get an ice pack. Whatever you're doing, you're like barely walking. You're unrecognized. You're curled over. The, the core matters. This is where you get your strength from, where you can swing your sword, whatever. Um, so you start to hobble. You start to walk and look different. Like I said, your core is important. How do you protect it with the breastplate of righteousness? So, so, how's your righteousness? Eee, That's a weird question, Cody. I feel like I'm making that emoji, that yellow emoji face, like the clenched teeth. Like ugh, this is awkward. How's your righteousness? Um, some of us wonder why we are we're prone to continue to, to sin, falling into repetitive sin. Um, we're, we're prone to, to taking damage to our core all the time. But we don't live righteously. We, we don't really live right. <laughs> so Cody, what do you mean righteous? That's an old-fashioned word. What does that mean? Well, it really means actively following God's commands. Living to honor him means doing the right things to honor God when it stinks. This is hard to do, but I know scripture tells me to do this, so I'm gonna do it. I know I'm called to this, so I'm gonna do it when it's not fun, when it's not popular. When you live this way, it protects your core, it protects you from devastating attacks to your heart to where you get your power from. And it gives you strength. You ask yourself, why do I keep doing these things? Why isn't God blessing me? Why why are these things happening that seem like it shouldn't? I, I, I don't know the reason, but I would start here. Are you following after Christ fully? Are you following what God says in his word, and are you doing it? And you can play games and do all the things. You can you can say, yeah, Cody, I am. Of course I am. I, and I'll believe you. Sure. me, Blake, John, everybody on staff, Tommy, we won't know. You could have us all snowed and, hey, we're, we're good. Well, I'm doing everything right. We have no idea. But I'm telling you, God knows. He knows about the junk drawer that has all that hidden stuff that you don't want anybody to know. And you haven't taken care of it because it's a safe place. You're like, I, I got this. I don't, I'm good, I'm following, I go to church, I tithe, I'm teaching my kids, I pray every once in a while, but this stuff over here, I'm going to keep that over here. I'm telling you right now, if you're not living righteously, you're setting yourself up for real damage in this world. Might not even happen to you, might happen to your kids, it's a weird thing to say, but if you're taking damage, so are your children, which is a scary thought. So I would say, take the necessary, think through that. I can't answer that question for you. Think through what righteousness looks like and what are you missing? How can I be more righteous? How can I act more holy? How can I pursue Christ better in my relationships, in my personal life, at school, at work? However, um, it just starts with obeying what God is calling you to do. Now the next one, the, the gospel of the readiness of shoes, peace, whatever, I wrote the title for this. Young people will get this. It says, what are those? Um, So being ready with the gospel. He's not saying put the gospel on your feet like New Jordans. He's saying put the readiness of the gospel. So being ready to take the gospel anywhere. Being ready to share the gospel at any given point um, so that you can multiply. What's harder to beat, a small army or a big army? We're supposed to multiply. That is why this passage is here. This is why that is mentioned here is that we need to continually be ready to share the gospel. Life change and ready to move and tell somebody. Um, and also, if anybody has seen someone go from dead in Christ, has no relationship with Jesus whatsoever, to going to I am a believer. I'm going to talk about this all the time. I'm going to fight my friends. I'm going to, I'm all in. It's incredibly encouraging for that person. It's so exciting to see them find new life in Christ, even if it's so, like they just got their life right for the for the for the first time in a long time. They're like, "Man, I forgot what this was to live and follow Christ daily." It revitalizes your faith. It really does. It excites you because you remember who God is and how good he is and how full of grace he is. You remember it in your own life and it makes you want to do more. That's why Paul is talking about these. And, and it's weird because I I wrote down, it's an unbelievably fun. It is. It's fun to see your friend go from death to life, essentially. And see them sprint down the road towards Jesus. It's It's awesome. So I encourage you to continually look for the ways that you can share the gospel in a way that Paul is saying that it helps protect us by doing evangelism. So be aware that that is one of the ways that we can protect ourselves is by sharing uh, who Jesus is with others and what it meant for him to come to this earth. Um, The next is the shield of faith. Shields in the ancient world offered full coverage, like Geico. Uh, Huge. They were huge. They were like holding a door, mostly. There were some small ones, but mostly it went head to toe, full coverage. I'm protected at all times. You usually, even in, in armies, the main wars actually had a shield bearer. You remember that from Goliath in Scripture. Somebody actually carried their shield for them so that they could grab it and use it when they needed to because it was that big. So, Goliath's shield was probably ridiculous. Um, But yes, that is exactly what our faith is supposed to do. It's supposed to go before us and shield us. It's supposed to act as our faith. We trust God, our Father, and we trust Him for His protection. We have solid theology, we have solid doctrine. That helps us remember the truth of who God is. Our, fel- our faith helps protect all of us. And here's the thing. No matter how great a warrior you are, in every movie you've watched, how great a warrior you are, your shield takes a hit, right? There's, It's just beat up. I mean, Captain America barely has a shield at the end of Endgame. Spoiler alert, the Avengers win. Uh, anyways, like our... <laughs> like our Our faith, just like a good word, it's going to take hits. Just because you're asking questions about your faith and doubting certain things, that means you're still thinking about your faith. Those aren't bad things. Don't be scared to ask questions to continually build on your faith. But it is throughout your life. Your faith will take hits. There will be things that come up and you're like, I don't get this. God, why is this happening to me? And you'll, you'll hold on to this faith. Oh, he's good. He has a plan. He has a purpose for my life. But that, faith, that shield of faith is going to have hits. The other thing that shield does, almost by default, is that it protects your other army it, or armor. It actually fortifies the other armor. Um. If you can say, I trust God in the midst of chaos in your life, it'll strengthen your testimony. So it reaffirms the gospel, the readiness of, of your shoes. It will fortify your righteousness because it'll spur you to live the right way. It'll, um, you'll already be speaking the truth of who God is in those moments with your shield of faith. Remember that whatever mess you find yourself in right now, you if you allow God to have his way, he will use your crisis for his purpose. And sometimes crisis will ultimately define your calling. I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I've seen it numerous times where people have struggled with something. Uh, the easiest thing to pick is like an, an addiction. They struggle with addiction. They struggle with addiction they beat addiction, and then they start a halfway house. Sometimes it takes us being in crisis to recognize what we are called to do by God. So don't neglect your crisis. That sounds weird to say. Live in your crisis. Learn from your crisis. Trust God. Use your faith shield. The next one is the, the helmet of salvation. Plain and simple. Simple. If you know you are his, if you know he is your God, if he is your Lord, then you can fight more fiercely. If you know God has your back, what are you worried about? If you know he's going to fight for you, what are we scared about? The same God that spoke us into existence, calls you his own, has adopted you into his family, what are we worried about? That is what the salvation or the helmet of salvation is. You can take comfort in knowing that God has your back. Now we move into some of the offensive weapons. I call this one the real lightsaber. Funny. Uh, <laughs> knowing scripture is powerful. Should go without saying, but knowing scripture is powerful. Knowing God's words can help others. Help others. Help ourselves and, and fight off attacks. Nervous, scared, God is with me wherever I go. Joshua 1.9. Bad attitude, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, do it all to the glory of God. These are things that I learned as a kid that I find myself coming up with because I remember those scripture and that's God's word and it's powerful. Just an just a, a advertisement for a camp I used to go to a camp, it's called Camp Chaff in Ohio. Every meal, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Every time. And it became like a life motto because then it was like, man, I don't want to do this. What am I getting out of this? And it's like, well, what are you supposed to get out of this? It's not for you. It's supposed to be, so everything became worshipful. Everything should become worshipful as we move and live and breathe. Scripture is powerful. Knowing his words is power. Remember the, the, the story between Jesus when he's being tempted after being in the, in the desert for 40 days, and he's tempted by, by Satan right before um, he starts his ministry. and It's in Matthew 19 if you want to turn there sometime and read it. Satan tried to tempt him, offering him different things. Jesus rebuttals him three different times, every time with Scripture. First time, rebuttals with Scripture. Second time, Satan up his, changes up his tactics and actually tempts him with Scripture, saying, hey, you're powerful. This is what Psalm says about you. You can call down the angels. You can do this. You can do this. Jesus, again, rebuttals him with Scripture. And then a third time. Um, there's two things we can get from this exchange, and it's that Jesus defaulted to scripture, to his God's word, to his words when he was tempted. The second thing is actually kind of scary in that Satan knows scripture too. Satan knows the power of scripture, except he likes to take it and twist it and confuse us and try to change things so we start doing things that are counter to the gospel, We get to a point of justifying sin or or changing up our theology to, to be something farther down the road that doesn't even look like Christianity. That's what the enemy wants to do. So that's why we need to do our due diligence and know the word of God. Spend time with it. Get into it. Memorize it. Challenge ourselves. Now last one. I called it call for backup, but to be honest, prayer life, <clears throat> our prayer life really isn't backup. It should be the first thing we do. Um, it's first action step. But I love that Paul finishes off this this portion by, by saying, pray always. We have the Holy Spirit working on our behalf. We have a direct line because of Christ. Pick up the phone. (laughs) Stop trying to grit through this yourself. God may not answer your prayer the way that you want. He may not. But we can have faith in Him and knowing that He has our best life intentions in mind. Remember that we only see things here, He sees things that happen in the future, in the past, how things work together. And if we love him, he is working together for good for us. So keep that in mind. And just, just like other things that we've mentioned, I, and as believers, I think when we struggle with our thoughts and we struggle with how to live this life, we should look and see if we can see how Jesus himself lived. And we, we sometimes forget that he was fully man and fully God that he struggled with all the things that we do. He got tired, he needed food, he needed rest, he got frustrated, all those things. And I think one of the, the passages where we see that happen the most is him in the garden right before he goes to a cross for us. Jesus specifically, specifically countered anxiety or stress with him praying in the garden. I don't want to read that whole, the whole story I'll give some tech context. Jesus and the disciples were in the upper room, had communion, Lord's Supper. They came out. Jesus walked farther into the garden. Then he took a couple of his disciples further. Then he was like, stay here, pray. I'm going to go pray. And in Mark 14, he says, and going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed. That if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. <clears throat> he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch, the, watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of God is betrayed into the hands of sinners. The same story in Luke says Jesus prays with agony. Jesus, the Son of God, who was there at the beginning of time, who was at creation, who gave up his throne and came to this world to die a terrible death, is struggling. He's burdened. He's stressed to the point of sweating drops of blood because of the act that he is about to perform for all mankind. How does he respond? He doesn't respond by saying, I got this, with false bravado. Even though if anybody ever lived in history that could say that, it was probably Jesus. (laughs) I got this after I'm God, so I got this. He doesn't pull out his Instagram and look for inspirational quotes to make himself feel better. He doesn't whine to every single person he sees that'll come near him. He gets somewhere quiet, pulls some of his closest friends out, asks them to specifically pray for him, and then he falls on his face and cries out to a living God. How prideful are we to think that we don't need prayer? How idiotic are we that we have direct access to God the Father because of what Christ did and we take on the world. I've got, I'm going to pull myself up with bootstraps. Again, we have two offensive weapons, scripture, prayer. And sadly, those are the two things I think that most Christians neglect in their daily life. We make Christianity a checklist. Far too often, or often, we don't have. Uh, we 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 struggle with uh, being able to defend ourselves or or confronting those bad thoughts because we don't know Scripture. We haven't picked up our our Bible since who knows when, and we we don't have a prayer life outside of praying for our riblets at Applebee's. Like we don't we don't do it. How do we expect to fight off the enemy in this world without either one of these things? Martin Luther is actually quoted as saying, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is vital to the Christian life. Scripture is the way that God communicates with us primarily and how we pr- primarily communicate with him is through prayer. So how do we have a relationship with Christ when we don't do those things? I promised you, as great of a communicator as Blake is, because he's great. I love the way he teaches and preaches, you will not find the sustenance for you to grow your faith with sitting in chairs and listening to someone tell you what Scripture says. Of course, it's beneficial. It's good, it's helpful. It's certainly needed, but Blake can't shoulder your spiritual development if you don't pick up the word of God and pray to a living God every week. You can't live off of yesterday's manna. What I mean is that is you can't live off of a camp high that you had in, in high school. You can't live off of the mission trip that you went to in college that, man, I loved it. It was so good. And that's what you default to, like, man, it was so good. That's my mountaintop. God is sitting there, like, "Hey, come, come back. I've got things I want to show you. I want to teach you. I want to pour into you. You have to do these things." In the armor of God, that is what Paul is saying. Go back to the well every day. Defend yourself. Arm yourself. This is a battle. It's gonna happen. You are in the world. It's gonna happen. The armor is helping prepare us for battle but how do we practically fight off the mess that we have in our life? We have to retrain our minds. We have to tell ourselves the truth. We have to live out with scripture. We need to be ready with the gospel, lead with faith, study scripture, and pray to our mighty father. To help us do that again, we have to retrain. So this this next thing, and we're about to wrap up. Actually, if the band wants to make their way up here, you guys can. Um, is a detox to, to try to fight off the maybe negative thoughts that we're having right now or the mess that you find yourself in. And the first thing, I, th- I think the whole list is up here. It says gather info. This is when you're thinking about um, those neg- the thought that you have, when you-, you want to bring up the memory that maybe is connected to that. whatever, whatever, I'll just use an example. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough because your dad left, and you can trace it back, man, my dad left. It makes me feel unwanted, unloved. That's where I'm tracing to. Replay that memory in your head. Think about those feelings. Think about those thoughts. Gather the info that helps you pull it from those memories into your current state. The second thing is to reflect on it. You want to focus on these thoughts. That one specific thought. Think about all of the things that are connected to it and what makes you think that way. Third, write it down. This helps us consolidate those thoughts. It helps us write out, and I don't mean to organize your thoughts. Just write out this. Sit down. This isn't a time to organize it. It consolidates our thoughts. It will add clarity to what you've already been thinking about. Write it out, and it will help you point out the areas in which maybe you need to work on. It'll be very apparent after you do that. Number four, revisit. This is the first one that is actively taking steps to get rid of these thoughts that you have, to change those thoughts. This is us actively making those moves. Looking at what we wrote down, we can get a better guide because we can see where we were and where we're going. This is where you do organize your thoughts better. You can see what might have been causing more of the issues for you, and maybe you didn't even know some of those things. The fifth one is active, active reach, and this is, this is hard. This isn't easy. I'm not saying this is easy. This is just steps to help you do this. Active reach, this is the hardest part that is putting the plan into motion. This isn't just saying, I am going to stop worrying about my kids because God protects them. This is actually moving towards stopping worrying. Not just stating, I'm going to stop worrying. It's actually moving towards stopping that worriness. Or maybe you have a toxic thought that you keep trying to change the past by playing it over in your head and saying, man, if I would have done this, if I just would have said this, if I would have done this better, this would have happened, then this would have happened. Thinking, that life would be a little bit different if you just would have done something. Active reach is saying, I'm turning off that movie. I'm going to move away from this and quoting scripture that you've already planned there or praying specifically about what should be there. This is a kind of a 21-day fix. You're supposed to do that daily if you're trying to combat these thoughts and replace it with it. So say say you are dealing with what I just said. Say you're dealing with I am feeling unworthy. I feel I'm not, I'm not worth anything. Replacing that thought with, God loves me. God calls me righteous because of his son. So examining, why do I feel this way? Because this happened. Well, you know what? God says this. So combining those together, putting on the belt of truth daily to combat those thoughts is what is needed. Remember that the truth matters when you feel unworthy unwanted you are loved by the father a father that loved you at your worst and again he doesn't just use fancy words he's not the guy that you dated in high school he's not the girl that broke your heart in college that said i love you he's a god that demonstrated it by dying on a cross
0: for you at your worst Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.